Well, hello and welcome along to today's podcast. I'm April Berry. And I'm Daisy Ray. How are you, Daisy? How have you been this week? Been all right. Actually, I've struggled a bit with my flash fiction this week. I sat down on four separate occasions to write It's Complicated and had nothing, nothing at all. It's really weird. I've decided that the best place for me to write and the most successful place for me to write is sat up in bed with a little tray over my lap and my iPad connected up to a keyboard. Jobs are good and that's obviously the place to be. That's where my juices flow. That's a bit wrong, isn't it? Yeah, it is a bit. Yeah, okay. How did you get on? Well, I struggled, to be honest, a little bit. I only finished writing it an hour before we started recording the podcast. You are having a laugh. Talk about 11th hour. I know. Very, very much 11th hour. And then all of a sudden it kind of sort of came to me. I don't know why or how. It was a bit of an inspiration. Maybe I worked better under pressure, a bit lastminute.com, I think. Maybe so. That really works for some people. Maybe you're just one of them. I think perhaps I am, because the, the closer it gets to a deadline the better I perform or is it that I just force myself to drag something out or I don't I don't know what it is I'm surprised though that out of that mind of yours with all that stuff you read you couldn't come up with something I know I was just completely blank for such a long time and then when it did come it came out in a big rush like everything was there all of a sudden out of nowhere well I can't wait to hear it So basically, the three stories that we're reading in today's episode are based on the prompt. It's complicated. So, Daisy, you're going to read yours first, then I'll read mine, and then we have got a winning entry uh, that I believe, Daisy, you're going to be reading, and it's uh, a story that was written by Elaine Morris. Can't wait to read that one for you. It is a doozy, and we both agreed wholeheartedly on this one. Yeah, we did. I think we both agreed wholeheartedly that it was actually better than ours, to be fair. (laughs) (laughs) That phrase has been used in all honesty. Yes, it has. (laughs) It has. Anyway, I can't wait to listen to yours. So the floor, as they say, is yours. Why, thank you, kind lady. My story then for It's Complicated. I titled Invisible originally, but I'm not sure if that still stands. I'll let you make that decision, but it's definitely on the It's Complicated writing prompt. So if you are sitting comfortably, I will begin. Jenny feels so much love and longing welling up inside herself. She's sure it must be obvious to anyone that looks at her. Someone is bound to notice, to see it, to hear it, to call her out on it. How can she feel this deeply and no one else can see it? Any moment her lover Amanda will look at her face and her cover will be blown and there it will be, larger than life, impossible to deny. But no, the days turn into weeks, turn into months, turn into years and no one, not even Amanda, really sees Jenny. Despite the daily dutiful, love you baby, Jenny sits at the dressing table watching all this hidden emotion behind her own eyes in the mirror and she closes her eyes against it. But Macy's face, as always, is right there. Those intense blue eyes staring right at her in that direct way she has. If only she dare gaze right back and speak the truth. Macy is the last thing Jenny thinks of every night before she falls asleep. Her first thought every morning, every blessed daydream which never gets any further than the perfect image of Macy standing in front of her, 
placing one hand on Jenny's waist and pulling her in close, close enough for their lips to touch for that first blissful kiss. What's that about anyway? Who spends four years daydreaming about a first kiss? It's a little bit weird, right? Not realistic, that's for sure. And talking of not realistic, Jenny picks up the hairspray, looking at it thoughtfully. Accidents happen in the home all the time. It wouldn't be the first time a faulty aerosol exploded. She thought about how steep their stairs are and how easily one could slip on that shiny wooden floor. Amanda listens to the radio all the time in the bathroom. Now that's an accident waiting to happen. Jenny sighed. Daydreams don't make your morning brew or set three alarms to make sure you get your lazy ass out of bed for work of a morning. Daydreams don't let the dog out for a morning wee before they both come through to snuggle on the bed for a morning cuppa before the day starts. But daydreams also don't have you live on the outskirts of their life, a permanent guest without a home. She padded through to the kitchen where Amanda had just returned from a dawn shopping trip to the supermarket to avoid other people. That was the norm now. She was busy cleaning the latest batch of shopping before putting it away, just to be safe. Morning, baby. Do you want a cuppa to take upstairs to work with you? She asked Jenny. Yes, please. That'll be lovely. Jenny smiled as she kissed Amanda on the cheek on her way to the toaster. Jenny kissed Amanda one last time on her way out of the kitchen with her tea and toast and told her, Have a good morning. I'll see you at lunchtime. Love you. Okay, love you too. They smiled at one another and blew each other an ear kiss as they parted. As she reached the top step, Jenny's foot slid out from under her and she could feel herself losing her balance. Instinct made her let go of the tea and toast and grab for the banister to save herself, but to no avail. The abandoned tea had made her hand too wet to grip it. Both Jenny and her breakfast hit the stairs just once on the way down, shattering her spine and the plate in the process. Jenny landed unconscious on the hallway floor on her broken back, swiftly followed by shards of crockery which sliced the length of her cheek before landing on the floor beside her. As her eyes fluttered open, she saw Amanda kneeling beside her, looking shocked and scared. Oh God, Jenny, I heard the noise from the kitchen. Are you okay? Can you move? She saw a tear slide down her lover's cheek as she gently took Jenny's mobile phone and slid it across the floor until it was out of sight behind the yucca plant. Amanda stood up and as she backed away, tears streaming down her face, she whispered, I do love you, Jenny, but it's complicated. Wow, you're gruesome. Yeah, it's amazing what comes to your mind when you're sat innocently drinking a cup of tea in bed. It doesn't. It it just makes me wonder. There's there's no sort of personal parallels in there, is there? You know. <laughs> well, some of that has come from real life. None of the gruesome stuff. Let me just add that part of it. It's just about to say <laughs> the three alarms in the morning. That bit's very true. No way I'm ever going to wake up for work with that at least three alarms. So that puts me sort of in the Jenny camp. Yeah. Which is unfortunate because she's dead now. <laughs> well, yeah, there is that. If you don't turn up for next week's podcast, I'll know why. <laughs> yeah, de- definitely. Go and see Carol. <laughs> I will, yeah. <laughs> Call the police on her straight away. <laughs> but it wouldn't be her fault, would it? Why? 
Well, why would it be her fault? You don't think she made the top step slippy? You don't think she had the same ideas in her head that Jenny had in hers? Well, if she's got any sense, yeah, but hey. Maybe she wasn't invisible after all. Maybe Amanda did see all of that stuff going off in her head. Possibly. I do like the way that when we do the flash fiction, we can talk to it. And, and the, the I mean, obviously, when we've spoken to a couple of the authors of, of the flash fictions, we've been able to dig a little bit deeper into the backstory. Yeah. I do like that. And, and I think that when I, I mean, I've read quite a bit of flash fiction and I wanted to ask questions because it's, you get that inference of what's going on there and you kind of sort of know what's happening. But what I want to know is why are all your flash fictions gruesome and there's some death or, I mean, Christmas, you know, you, you want to spear Santa and then you've got, the other two flash fictions with Norman and Millie. And again, Millie bumps off Norman. Norman kidnaps the, the kid. It's just, you know, there's not a lot of happiness and joy in any of your flash fictions, is there really? <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe Amanda's going to run off and have a really happy life now. She's not living with someone that's heart wasn't really in it. Yeah, that's true. That is true. Although it was a bit of an extreme way to get out of it. <laughs> It was, yeah, it was. I think both of our flash fictions possibly are influenced by real life or grow out of seeds of what happened. I think we need that in there. Yeah, I think we do. If there's at least some elements of what's happening in real life or the way relationships actually work or what people might be thinking inside their heads that they never get the chance to tell anybody else, it makes it easier to write the story because it's something that actually happens. And I think if there's a truth, even if it's only a tiny truth, it makes the story flow. As Carolyn would have said, it gives somewhere for the words to go. I know, but my, I'm worried. I am a little bit worried. Relying on real life to give us our stories. Most of yours are about death or crimes or you know there's there's some criminal element in every one of your stories ah right okay so this is the challenge then the next writing prompt is in a couple of weeks time and it's called come on open the door i will endeavor not to kill anybody in that flash fiction yeah or plot no i won't have anyone plot anybody's demise that'd be good that'd be really nice that's going to be really hard for me well can we hear your story now you can hear mine yes like I say, I wrote this within about an hour and a half, and I'm not overly sure whether that shows or not. I don't know where the seed of this one sort of came from, to be fair. But right, here we go. It's complicated, said Bruce, running his hands through his hair in exasperation. It always is with you. Lucy was losing the will to live, trying to negotiate with Bruce. Tell me why this time. Bruce looked at the floor, wondering which of the half dozen reasons would work best with Lucy. Whilst Lucy was waiting for him to respond, she was thinking about all the times over the last 12 months that Bruce had objected when she wanted to do anything or go anywhere, whether it was with or without him. Finally, Bruce just trotted out the same ludicrous excuse as he had dozens of times before. Who would pick the children up from school? who would look after them when he had football practice, drinks on the way home from work with his mates, the weekend cycle rides with the club he belonged to, all the household chores that would be neglected while she was away. 
Bruce then turned on his heel before Lucy had any chance to counteract the excuses. Lucy sighed and picked up her phone. After a 15-minute call with her mother, she shouted up the stairs after Bruce, All sorted. My mum is going to stay here while I'm away. Bruce knew he was beaten on the domestic front, so would have to find another, more substantial reason why Lucy couldn't go away for three weeks. Lucy smiled to herself, knowing that over the next month, Bruce would find as many obstacles as he could for her not to go. She couldn't really pinpoint the exact date when Bruce had turned into a possessive husband. He was always so easygoing and was the first to accept invitations to parties, events, concerts. But gradually, that had changed. Maybe it was the new job, thought Lucy, vowing to try and have a heart-to-heart conversation before she went away to try and understand the change in him. Lucy was looking forward to the trip. It was one she had volunteered for two years ago, but had only made the waiting list. It was the trip of a lifetime, though she knew it would bring its hardships. After all, counting penguins in the Antarctic would be cold, with temperatures as low as minus 55. However, as a zoologist at the local wildlife park, Lucy knew that research expeditions didn't come along very often. Penguins were Lucy's favourite animals, and the opportunity to see them in their natural habitat was the chance of a lifetime. One she wasn't going to pass up just so Bruce could go to the pub with his mate on a Friday night and cycle round the countryside in Lyca, fighting the population at weekends. After a couple of days of being bombarded by Bruce with a myriad of reasons and excuses, all of a sudden he changed his mind completely. Apologised for being an ass and reassured Lucy that everything would be okay in her absence. Lucy started to make preparations, buying the clothes from the recommended list and extra equipment which would help combat the freezing conditions and the fact that for the whole three weeks she would be away, it wouldn't be daylight once. Excitement kept bubbling away inside her. She spoke to the children, showed them where she would be staying, trying to involve them as much as possible as this would be the first time that she would be away from them for this length of time reassuring them that she would speak to them as often as she could. Lucy made a mental note of questions to ask at the briefing session that was taking place so the group could get to know each other before the trip. The group consisted of zoologists from around the country, two professors and three students from the local university who were part funding the trip. On the evening of the briefing, which was being held at the library in town, there was a presentation from the university, a schedule of the trip, its aims and what they were hoping to achieve, and also a chance to ask questions and have a tour of the research station via video link with some of the researchers already there who would be looking after the group whilst they were in the Antarctic. Lucy looked round the room, the students looked so young, and she vowed to try and help them as much as possible. After all, they were not much older than Luke, her eldest, who was 15. The group retired to the pub across the street from the library and were talking about their families, what their own personal goals were regarding the trip, the hopes and dreams as to what possibilities the trip may open up for them. One voice stood out over all the rest. One of the students, Melanie, was talking about being away from her fiancé for three weeks, how she was going to cope and that once she got back, they were going to plan the wedding. Melanie was extolling his virtues about how kind, caring and loving he was and how gorgeous he was. Lucy was beginning to phase off into a world of her own. Young love, she thought, how sweet. Do you want to see a photo of him? asked Melanie. And before anyone could answer, giggling, Melanie opened her phone 
and showed the group a picture of Bruce. Lucy drained her glass, bid farewell to the group and went home to have the heart to heart she had promised herself last week that she would have with her husband. That Bruce is a one, isn't he? He is a one, isn't he? Well, it's not just that he's having an affair. She's a student. I know. And engaged to her. He's engaged to his girlfriend when he's married with kids that are almost as old as she is. Yeah. Wow, that's a piece of work right there. Absolutely. And you see, that's why he didn't want Lucy to go, because he wouldn't have been able to have seen Melanie. But now that Melanie's going, it doesn't matter, because he's not going to be doing anything for three weeks. And I wonder if he knows they're both going on the same trip. Yeah, I wonder. Maybe it's all part of his plan. Does he have a plan? I mean, how how is he engaged to one girl and married to a woman? And how does he think that's going to pan out? I don't know. Maybe that's another for another story, eh? Maybe he's planning like a five-year engagement so he can just string Melanie along for a good while. Everyone knows married men never leave their wives. Or do they? I don't know. I think you've given me the idea for another flash fiction. <laughs> Excellent. I do think you've got a little bit of a style developing. Uh-huh. There's a lot of relationships in your stories, and they're not really very happy ones generally. No, they're not, are they? You don't like the fact that I'm quite grim, but none, nobody is happily married in your world. <laughs> well, no. And actually, that's not true, because in my real world, you know, a lot of my friends are happily married. Yay. So... Don't write about them, you'll ruin the relationships. Oh, yeah, there is that. <laughs> Keep them out of the relationship, out of the story, sorry. Initially, my original idea was going to be a, a little bit along these lines, but yeah. I, I'm not going to tell you what it was going to be. But Well, you might get to use it in a different one. I might do. It was going to be a, an LGBT plus one that I was going to do. That's a coincidence. Yeah, it is. I'm kind of glad I didn't now because obviously yours, yours is. Yeah. So I kind of thought I'd just dig a little bit into the possibly unspoken mm. or not quite right world of, of older people with younger people type thing. Yeah. You know, because there are an awful lot of people out there that, you know, are with younger partners or older partners, whichever way you want to look at it. And Whatever and makes everybody happy. Precisely, yeah. But I do want to know about the Antarctic and the penguins. All ah, right. Tell me why there's not going to be any daylight at all for three weeks. I did actually have to do a little bit of research into this, and I kind of sort of thought that that's what authors have to do. And, I mean, yeah. I weren't researching for a whole book. I was researching for Sorry, something. Sorry, hang that was... on. Newsflash. You are an author now. Yeah, I suppose so. But I'm, I'm sort of researching for something that's 900 and, you know, 940 words, not 30,000 that go into a book. Basically, in the Antarctic, temperatures around rarely rise above zero so they're around about sort of minus 10 to on sunny summer days yeah and then they drop to anywhere up to minus 55 in typical winter temperatures oh it's only daylight i think it's dark for about 105 days yeah 105 days yeah 105 days when the sun doesn't rise above the horizon so wow it's rather interesting so it's freezing. Yeah. Below, well below freezing. It's yeah. dark. Yeah. But you get penguins. Yeah. You get penguins. Yeah, I think I'd go. Would so you go? I would definitely go. Yeah, definitely. I quite like penguins. 
I also discovered as well another thing that I didn't know that there was actually 18 species of penguins. Wow. Did you know that penguins trade rocks for sex? No, I didn't. Yeah. I kind of weren't researching the sex life of a penguin for this story, to be fair. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll just leave that bit there then. Yeah. I could make that another flash fiction, couldn't I? The sex life of a penguin. Perhaps not. <laughs> confessions of. <laughs> yeah, confessions of. Yeah. Yeah. I looked at the, the Antarctic penguins, and you know that some of them reach 1.2 metres in height. Wow. That's nearly as tall as I am. Yeah, it is. Well, isn't it taller? Oi. Cheeky. So I just find them fascinating creatures. I'll have you know I'm as tall as anybody else my height. Well, that's true. Yes, you are. Penguins are fascinating, aren't they? They are fascinating, yeah. I didn't realise that some of them actually live close to the equator as well. It was quite an interesting bit of research that I was doing. You know when you go down that rabbit hole and you get lost? Yeah. Anyway, speaking of rabbit holes, I believe that you are going to read the winner of our entries for It's Complicated. I am, yes. We have jointly chosen a winner for this by Elaine Morris, and it's really clever. I had to read it twice, if I'm perfectly honest. I didn't fully appreciate how amazing this story was until I actually read it aloud, and that's what clinched it for me. I thought it was absolutely brilliant, and I know April is a massive fan of this one as well. Absolutely. I I found it so quirky because it is a bit like, I said, falling down a rabbit hole when you're doing something. Yeah, it is exactly that. So if everybody's sitting comfortably, then I will read this story from Elaine Morris on the It's Complicated writing prompt. Just one more row. Isn't the English language amazing? If you don't know what a person was thinking, you wouldn't be able to start to build a mental image of the activity. Is it a cue or a quarrel? A line on a spreadsheet or the action of moving a boat with oars? Or maybe a consecutive sequence of similar and related actions like crochet or knitting? In this case, it's knitting. Despite the visual complexity of completed knitted garments, toys and household objects, Particularly to the uninitiated, there are only two stitches to be repeated in sequential actions row after row. Within a relationship, the craft may lead to quarrels, not more wool. And serious knitters will create cues of the next projects to be completed. Indeed, crafters have their own world of UFOs, unfinished objects. Life was indeed complicated, a constant pressure the requirement to prioritise the needs and the expectations of others above one's own. Individuals could be so demanding and unreasonable, organisations so distant and disconnected, not ever taking into account the fact that there were conflicting priorities in the world. Instead of the knitting that should be front and centre of anyone's to-do list, there were other tasks to be considered, cooking, cleaning, ironing, oh, those dreaded shirts. If only those tasks were eliminated, then concentration could be given to the needles and being able to use them to create something beautiful and useful. What was needed was a plan. How to eliminate the complications of life. 
there was pleasure and satisfaction to be had in using elements of the craft in the plan. So, carry on knitting. Smooth, rhythmic, repetitive actions allowed the mind to wander, to concentrate and drift at the same time. A plan formed before the mind's eye. Much as an Aran pattern forms from the manipulation of stitches on the needle. A needle is what was required. A very long, extremely sharp needle. It had to be steel to allow it to be boiled and cleansed, leaving no trace of victim or perpetrator. It had to be fine, so its insertion point might be overlooked, and it had to be long enough to inflict the necessary damage. The trick was to insert the needle, just like in a single stitch, just like a single point in a timeline, to such a depth that the heart damages itself against the point repeatedly, rhythmically. Of course, for now at least, this was only spinning a yarn, another distraction to get through the long, long days. It was comforting enough for now to have a plan. The target was available, the tools were to hand, the opportunity would come. And then the relentless, unceasing motion of the heart would cease. Life would have its own pattern. The twists and turns of the complicated relationship would be over and all trivial distractions eliminated, leaving only the important task of creativity through knitting. There was the familiar sound of the key in the lock. Life was about to go on the same and maybe take an unexpected turn at the same time. Who could tell? Oh well, just another row. Another one with a plot for murder. I know, right? There seems to be a theme going on. Maybe it's a lockdown thing. Maybe it is. Maybe people are getting, you know, their minds are wandering and they're thinking about things they would never, ever think about. I thought that was really, really clever. Wasn't it, though? Yeah. You're right. I, like you, had to read it a couple of times. But when I read it and I actually sort of concentrated on it and took my time to read it, it's not something you can skim read through. No. I just thought it was really clever and very, very amazing. And I like the way the author is saying, oh, well, this is my plan. And then for now, it was only spinning a yarn. So the whole thing is all knitting themed as well. Yeah, there were a lot of puns in there, all intended, I'm sure. There were a lot of puns in there. It was really clever. I like the bit where you could just insert the needle into the body. Yeah. And I suppose the rhythmic beating of the heart eventually would end up getting pierced on that needle. I might Google that and see if it works. <laughs> well, perhaps not. No, I forget I said that. I'm not sure you should Google it. Not on your own computer anyway. <laughs> well, no. Go use somebody else's. I might just Google it. I'll Google it on my phone. Oh, that's hilarious. How to kill somebody with a knitting needle. Yeah, that's going to look really good on your history, isn't it? No, perhaps not, eh? Yeah, we better keep an eye on Elaine's history. Maybe tell her not to look any of this up. Yeah, well, well, we do get to know a little bit about our authors, even though Elaine hasn't been able to join us tonight to, to record the podcast because she's got a knitting group, strangely enough. Uh-oh. <laughs> I did have a bit of a conversation with her earlier. She used to be a nurse. Yeah. Again, like me and you, you know, the, the things that we've put in, in the stories are things that we know. Yeah. So knitting and nursing for Elaine then. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I'm supposing the medical side of it possibly is her knowledge as a, I'm hoping it's a knowledge at a nurse and it's not previous life experience. <laughs> it kind of begs the question though, doesn't it? What exactly did they talk about at these knitting groups? My, my housemate is part of a knitting group as well and she's part of the WI and they t t talk about some weird things. Do they have a Zoom knitting group then? They have Zoom knitting groups, yeah, and Zoom WI groups and things like that. They were making Viennese Worlds last night on the WI. How do you make Viennese Worlds on Zoom? Don't know. Wow. And that's basically what's created our podcast as well. You know, it, it grew out of you being on furlough. Yeah. And the fact that we've got Zoom to be able to interview people with. And there's lots of things that, that have come out of that. It does beg the question also, though, that you have a bunch of, on the surface, very innocent looking individuals all sat around with potentially lethal weapons in their hands, having these conversations about their relationships. Yeah. Actually, that gives me an idea for a story. Uh, all right. They could sit around with their weapons, in inverted commas, chatting about their love lives, their partners, their work colleagues, the people that bully them. And they could each go around the circle and help the person to their left, so to speak. You're not plotting more death. They have no connection to that family. Oh, no, I'm breaking my promise on no deaths already. You are, aren't you? Yeah. That, that's like group murder for good cause, though. Maybe if it's a good cause, it doesn't count. I'm not really sure I like where this conversation's going. <laughs> anyway, speaking of going, what about next week? OK, so next week we've got David John Griffin joining us on the podcast to talk about his book, Turquoise Traveller, which I described last time we spoke about it as sort of Alice in Wonderland on hallucinogenics. Do you remember? I do remember. I'd just stick to the hallucinogenics, to be fair. <laughs> yes, it's, it's a very out there kind of book. And David, again, looks like butter wouldn't melt. I know. And it's hiding all of this stuff that's going on inside his head. It was fascinating to talk to. Really great to get to know. Can't wait for you all to get to know him next week on the podcast along with us. Well, we talked to him about his book and about what we thought of it, too. Yeah, and he, he does reveal something in conversation about a few bits and pieces that I think would be very, very interesting for you to uh, to pick up on. Can't wait. Before we let you go, how do you fancy coming along and co-hosting with April and myself on a future episode of Bear Books Podcast? Our goal is to publish an anthology of flash fiction stories based on all of these that we read out during this season and all of the winning entries that we receive and read out from yourselves. So if you want to write along with us and be part of the anthology and part of the podcast, and either appear yourself or have us read your winning story, then let me give you the rest of the writing prompts for this season, and see if one, or more than one, inspires you to pick up your pen, or sit at a typewriter, or use your computer. Depends on how old you are, really. The next writing prompt is come on, open the door. And the deadline for that is the 10th of February, so you don't have long for that one. So if you are inspired, you've got five days to write between 500 and 1,000 words. Locked is the writing prompt after that one, and the deadline for that is the 24th of February, followed by never thought I'd curse the day. The deadline for that is the 10th of March. 
Why are you blushing? Deadline 24th of March. Don't be embarrassed, it's normal. Deadline the 7th of April. And the final one for this season is under the bed. The deadline for that is the 21st of April. All you need to do, keep it between 500 and 1,000 words. Email it across to us at submissions at barebooks.co.uk and we can't wait to read them. So if any or all of those titles inspire you, get writing and email us. We can't wait to read them. This is your podcast after all. Come and be a part of it. See you all next week. Until then, stay safe. Take care. If you've read a book by an indie author that you've really enjoyed, email the title across to us at contactus at barebooks.co.uk. And if we read it, we will discuss it on the podcast. Excellent. If you happen to be an indie author and would like us to add your book to our reading list, maybe even come and talk about it on the podcast, send your suggestions to submissions at barebooks.co.uk. And if you fancy a go at writing flash fiction and want the chance to be published in our flash fiction anthology for 2021, pop onto our social media for the full list of writing prompts for this season and also the word count at Bear Books Podcast on Facebook and Instagram or at Bear Books Pod One on Twitter. Thanks to Simon Strong for the musical interludes. You can Instagram him at dadnap.mp3. Stay safe until next time. Thank you.